we're in the midst of our summer of renewal uh, and the Holy Spirit. And we've been talking about the Holy Spirit. So I wanted to, I wanted to finish up with some things about the Holy Spirit. Uh, for those who are new to our church, we're what we call a charismatic church. It's from the Greek, well, the charismatic comes from the, word, uh, the Greek word charisma, um, which means a divine gratuity, um, deliverance, a spiritual endowment, a miraculous faculty, a free gift. That ultimately we're given a free gift um, from the Lord. Um, and our church believes that the Holy Spirit still d- dispenses um, his gifts uh, to any believer that wants to experience him in the fullness of God, the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Now, there are churches that don't believe this way. Uh, they believe that, that the Holy Spirit no longer operates after the apostles basically died, that basically there's no Holy Spirit's gifts are not dispensed any, any longer. Uh, we, the, 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 the technical word for that is called a cessationist. In other words, the gifts ceased um, after the apostles died. So the, so the technical word is called a cessationist. We're not cessationists. We're, we're uh, for the technical word, we're a continuationist. A continuationist. We're a continuationism. We practice continuationism. We believe that the, 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 the Holy Spirit um, is alive and well and wants to operate in our lives. Um, so in, in, in general, we're, we're opposed to cessationism. Now, we love everybody that's a cessationist. There's no question about it. And, and, and we're not perfect. Uh, now, sometimes we have the tendency, because of the gift of the Holy Spirit, that we get our brain wrong and we think that we're a little bit better, but we're not. We're, we're just, we're just been blessed to be able to walk in the power of His Holy Spirit. Um, we, we believe that the Holy Spirit still operates in our lives. And I believe that the Holy Spirit empowers believers to ultimately fulfill the vision that God has given us. And for those that have been in our church, you know that we believe that God's given us a vision that, that um, people need to know God. And I think that ultimately people will not know God if the Holy Spirit is not working in their life. And ultimately, ultimately, it's going to take the Holy Spirit to reveal the Lord to you in order for you to come to a saving knowledge of him. And we want every person that's in, in my earshot and whoever else hears this to, to be able to know God. And that ultimately, our, the, we believe the vision of the Lord includes that the Holy Spirit will help us to, to find freedom. That without him, we'll never find freedom. And in other words, we'll never get our past in order. That the things that have haunted us from our past will continue to haunt us from our past until we allow the Holy Spirit to do a work in us. And that's why one of the reasons why we do small groups and we have this freedom group because we, wanna, we want people to experience true freedom. And I, we believe that the Holy Spirit is the author of freedom. That we cannot truly walk in freedom without him working through our lives. And then without the Holy Spirit... We can never discover our purpose. That ultimately the, the Holy Spirit is the one that's going to guide us and direct us in discovering our purpose and discovering who we are and discovering what we're supposed to do. Just as Dolly testified, she, the Holy Spirit ta- told her, you need to start getting into healing scriptures. And so this was a beautiful dance of the Holy Spirit working in conjunction with her to prepare her for, for something that was, was going to happen. So she discovered God's purpose in the midst of a terrible situation by the Holy Spirit revealing to her the next steps, right? And then um, we really can't make a difference in anyone's life without the Holy Spirit working through us. That ultimately, no change in anyone's life can be done through us. Uh, matter of fact, scripturally, if something changes because of us, it's not real change. It's superficial. It's um, fake. It's not real. It's, it's not a real change in someone's heart until the Holy Spirit does a work in them. And so for us to, to actually make a difference in, 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 in this world, it's going to take the Holy Spirit 
to work in our lives in order for that to happen. Um, and so what we believe is that we've exact, we have actually experienced the work of the Holy Spirit and want to experience it more and more. And we want everyone in this body to experience the work of that Holy Spirit. Um, I believe that most people do want the Holy Spirit to work in their lives. But they want a genuine work of the Holy Spirit. And this is where sometimes when you mention a charismatic church and you talk to people in public, that's where the, that's where the rubber kind of meets the road. They sometimes think that, that, that maybe there's some things that really aren't genuine. That they're kind of fake. That they're kind of just spiritual exercises. And I'm just going to say as a, as a person who's been in the charismatic church for a long time and been, and went to the premier charismatic university or Roberts University, um, and having one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit to be able to discern spirits, I have in my life seen some situations where people purport to be doing something in the Holy Spirit and they're not. They're just doing a religious practice. And just as sometimes in a charismatic church we criticize some other churches that they have these rituals and, and they just have all these rituals and things, I'm just going just gonna to wake us up a little bit that in the charismatic church we do the same thing. We have rituals that we've learned from other people and do over and over and over again and, and make it holy spirit when it's just a ritual. Nobody wants that. None of our leaders want that. We want a genuine outpouring of the Holy Spirit in this church. That no one will have a question. That no one will have a doubt. So... I want to look at some scriptures concerning the Holy Spirit. I know we've been focusing on the Holy Spirit, but I just want to hit a couple scriptures on the Holy Spirit and what that all means. And so um, the first one that usually comes up when we look at the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit provides gifts for us. Um, their faith and healing and miracles and prophecy and distinguishing between spirits and tongues and interpretation of tongues and wisdom and understanding and knowledge and counsel and fortitude and piety and fear of the Lord. And, and just in case some of y'all don't recognize some of those, that, that also comes from Isaiah 11. We see Isaiah, we see the two scriptural references. These are some of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Now, again, your average everyday Christian has no problem with those except two of them. Anybody have an idea what one of them might be? Tongues. tongues. Yeah, once you mention tongues, oh my gosh, and people are going to freak out. And I'm going to agree with Pastor Chris Hodges. This is what he says about, you know what, you, know, you, you can be filled with the Holy Spirit and not experience tongues. But it's kind of like being married and never kissing your wife. I'm telling you something, I'm kissing my wife. And I'm thinking you should kiss the Lord by allowing him to allow whatever gift he has for you in your life. Okay? So that's, generally speaking, this is where the charismatic church focuses. Y'all, if this is our focus, we've missed it. I'm about to shoot y'all with a bunch of scriptures that some of y'all don't even have nothing, no idea, has anything to do with the Holy Spirit. But these are some of the things the Holy Spirit wants to do in us if we allow him to do in us. And these, to me, are the real miracles, the real things that, that can happen in our lives that we don't even recognize as the work of the Holy Spirit. For example, well, this is this one's an easy. This is, a, this is also a softball. This is a Galatians 5, 22 and 23. The Holy Spirit supplies his fruit. Love and joy and peace and patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control for those of us who choose to walk with him. So there, there's one. Um, how about this one? We are baptized in the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, which means that he's fully God. 
that the Holy Spirit brought order out of chaos. If you remember that in Genesis, um, Genesis uh, 1, 1 and 2. And then the next one. The Holy Spirit, uh, the Holy Spirit spoke to God's people through Moses and the law, Hebrews 9, 8. And then what's our next one? The Holy Spirit spoke through David and the Psalms. And we see the scripture references that have something to do with that. And the next one. The Holy Spirit spoke through Isaiah, Jeremiah, and prophets. See, a lot of folks in our denomination or whatever you want to call it kind of don't recognize the Holy Spirit until Acts. The Holy Spirit's been doing a lot of work for a long time. From, from before creation until now, and he still wants to do stuff in our lives. And that's what I'm trying to bring, bring out some good news here. And then uh, what's the next one there, Harley? Isn't Harley doing a great job? And the team up there, they're doing a great job. Make, they're making a sound better than we should sound. So this is what's good, right? So by the Holy Spirit, Jesus, the God-man, was conceived. And did y'all know that? We wouldn't have Jesus if it wasn't for the Holy Spirit's work, okay? So we got some scriptures there. Write, write them down for those of you who take notes. You're going to be writing a lot. Okay, then the next one. By the Holy Spirit, Jesus lived and spoke and healed and endured. So what he's saying is that without the, in other words, the Holy Spirit worked through Jesus' life for, for us to have the example of Jesus. And without the work of the Holy Spirit, we wouldn't have any of that. Does that make sense? In other words, the Holy Spirit's been at work in many things. And if, and if he can work in Jesus' life to help him live and speak and, and, heal and, and heal and endure, guess who else's life he can work in? Me and you. This is good news. Look at all the scripture reference. All right, next one. By the Holy Spirit, Jesus gave himself for us at the cross. It took that. Right? The next one. By the Holy Spirit, Jesus was raised from the dead and vindicated. Good news, right? The next one. The Holy Spirit glorifies the Son. That's John 16, 4. Let me find where I am. 16, 14. There we go. By the Holy Spirit, the good news is preached. That's the next one. In other words, good, the, the good news only comes through the working of the Holy Spirit. If you're experiencing a little good news or whenever we share the good news, it's the Holy Spirit working through us that makes it good news. Does that make sense? I can read the Word of God all day long, but without the Holy Spirit intervening in that situation, I'm, I'm getting nothing. I can speak the Word of God to someone. Well, we know the Word of God doesn't impact lives. What I'm saying is it takes the, the conjunction, the dancing, the, the beautiful dance, the beautiful, the beautiful work of the Holy Spirit to bring life. Does that make sense? Because there's some people that are scholars that can read things and, and get in a religion class in, in our public colleges and do some things with, with the Word of God to, to try to discredit, and there's no Holy Spirit involved with it. Does that make sense? Are you all with me? And in spite of it, the Word of God can still make a difference. That's how powerful the Word of God is. All right, where are we? Good news. All right, that's the good news. Jesus has now immersed. Listen, this, this is some good stuff, y'all. The Holy Spirit, is, the Holy Spirit Jesus, has, has now immersed his people in his Holy Spirit. We can be immersed in the Holy Spirit. Don't you like that word? Immersed. That sounds good. Um, the Holy Spirit is poured out on the church. That's good news. The Holy Spirit descends in power with speaking of, with the speaking of God's word. And that's what I've been praying. Holy Spirit, descend in power with the speaking of your word. I'm bringing your word forward and I'm, I'm asking the Lord, the Holy Spirit to descend. Yes, in power. Amen. The Holy Spirit dwells in us. If we allow him to. This is good news. The Holy Spirit is given to us. And a bunch of references to talk all about it. Some good news. In case you feel like you can't, that this is never going to happen. We can receive the Holy Spirit. And look at all the references here. 
John and Acts 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 and Romans and Acts and 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians and 1 John. All from the Word of God. We can receive the Holy Spirit. We can have the Holy Spirit. Romans 8, 9 and 8, 23 and 1 Corinthians 6, 19. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. See, we're confused. We think this is the church. We're the church, ladies and gentlemen. Wherever we go, we represent the church. I'm the church and the Holy Spirit working through me to bring the church wherever I go. If you aren't getting pumped about this, you're you're soaking wet. This is good news. Uh, Where was I? I got to find me. Oh, we're the temple. The Holy Spirit, listen to this, comforts us. You in despair? Having a tough time? Who who are you looking to for comfort? You you don't need a bottle. You don't need to go shop. You don't need dark chocolate. I know, I'm stepping on toes here. But I'm willing to do it for you. Because I'm trying to help you understand that none of that, some of that stuff it makes you maybe feel good. It's comfort for a moment. But it's not the comfort of the Holy Spirit. And you deserve to be comforted by the power of the Holy Spirit. Do not settle for less. This is good news. The Holy Spirit guides and directs us. You're looking for some direction? You're looking for where to go next? You want to know what the next step is? Look at this. Acts 13, 2, 13, 4, 15, 28, 16, 6, 20, 23, and Acts 21, 11. The Holy Spirit transforms us into the image of Christ. This is really good news. The Holy Spirit empowers our Christian life. The Holy Spirit appoints leaders in the church. Mark Linton's our pastor. Mark Anthony, the other leadership, our elders. God's appointed us. We believe that. We're just dumb enough to believe that. Hoping you are too. God somehow appointed us. I I believe it. I believe it's for this time, for us to be here right now, to help with the vision, to help inspire people to get in that vision. And God's responsible for this. So you can blame him. (laughs) That's good news. It's kind of like, um, I can't remember which one of my child, but we taught him in uh, Psalm 127, they were a reward from the Lord, you know? And, you know, they're about to get in trouble. You know I'm your reward. Why do we teach him that scripture? The Holy Spirit appoints leaders of the church. The Holy Spirit confirms God's word with miraculous gifts. Amen? The Holy Spirit sanctifies our imperfect efforts. Listen to that, y'all. Claim it. You're all over it, Scott. Claim that one. That's in Romans 15, 6. The Holy Spirit sanctifies our imperfect efforts. I remember Billy Godwin, he kind of said it this way. He said, take the next step to believe God's got you going. And if you got it wrong, he'll show you. And that's, that's, that's what we're saying here. That the Holy Spirit sanctifies our imperfect efforts. Many times when I preach, the Holy Spirit uses things that I say that, that I don't know I didn't do well. But the Lord, the, through the Holy Spirit, he sanctifies our imperfect efforts. Gosh, that's good. The Holy Spirit knits us together as a fellowship. He knits us together as a fellowship. 
Do y'all hear that? So if we ain't knit together, guess who we aren't working in conjunction with? It ain't Mark's fault. Well, there may be some imperfect things that we might be able to need to talk about. But maybe you're not allowing the Holy Spirit to knit us together as a fellowship. Come on. I know I'm stepping off a few toes here and there, but that's part of my, you know, what you're supposed to. Jesus did it, didn't he? Yeah. So we're just comfortable. We're just in a social club. That's what they do in social clubs. They're just comfortable, you know. Go to the exchange club and just talk whatever, you know. We ain't doing that. All right, where were we? The Holy Spirit fills us with praise. The Holy Spirit fills us with praise. When you're down in the doldrum, the Holy Spirit fills us with praise. Will you receive the Holy Spirit filling us filling you with praise? In the worst situations, the Holy Spirit can fill you with praise. Y'all, that's a miracle. That's a sign that you can be filled with praise in a very difficult time. That's a wonder. But we wouldn't recognize us that. Sometimes, And I'm trying to bring this to light, the, the, the things that the Holy Spirit does in our lives. The Holy Spirit provides boldness for ministry. And I, this should be one of our, our, our focuses. This is the answer to Jesus' prayer that he said the harvest, that the harvest is out there and there's not many workers out there for the harvest. And to pray for them to be sent out. And the Holy Spirit empowers us to be part of that, gives us boldness to, to be able to act in ministry. So that's, um, you see all the scriptural references there. The Holy Spirit communicates the Father's love to us. Just feel that for a second. Just let that soak in your heart. One more time. If I could find it. Yes, the Holy Spirit communicates the Father's love to us. The Holy Spirit infuses the Christian life with joy. You're not experiencing joy right now? Maybe you aren't in tune with the Holy Spirit. I'm just bringing you the Word of God, y'all. That's all I'm doing. I'm a little teapot, short and stout. Here's my handle. Here's my spout. I'm just going to let it spout. Here it goes. It's coming out. It's the Word of God. It's good stuff. The Holy Spirit infuses the Christian life with joy. The Holy Spirit seals, keeps, and secures us until the end. Ephesians 1, 13 through 14. He seals, keeps, and secures us. Better than any Ziploc. Come on. The Holy Spirit intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. Romans 8, 26 and 27. The Holy Spirit gives us words to say in our most trying times. The Holy Spirit provides courage in conflict and joy in affliction. 1 Thessalonians 1, 6 and uh, Titus uh, 3, 5. The Holy Spirit does not withhold himself. Pastor Mark preached from the scripture a couple weeks ago. The Holy Spirit does not withhold himself when we ask for him. Luke eleven thirteen. We believe in this Holy Spirit. We want this Holy Spirit to operate in your life. I want this Holy Spirit to operate in my life. I want to experience every one of these, every one of these scriptures in my life. We want the genuine work of the Holy Spirit in you and in this church. We believe that the Holy Spirit is living and active in this church and in our lives. And we believe that the Holy Spirit is alive and well today. And we believe that the Holy Spirit is making a difference today. Now, 
There's one thing I want to focus on in all the scriptures that I just gave you. I gave you all the scriptures to give you one word I want you to focus on. Because Mark and Mark Anthony have done a really great job of talking about spirit and what it means. There's one word in every one of those, every one of those statements that I made. And the word's holy. The Holy Spirit is holy. And the, and the way I want to put it is, He is holy, holy. He is without doubt, without question, without any thought. He is completely, totally holy. The Old Testament word for holy is Kodesh. A sacred thing, sanctified, consecrated, dedicated, hallowed, holiness, most holy saint and sanctuary are some of the words that come forward that word holy. And then the, in the Greek, in the New Testament, we've got hagios, which means sacred and pure, morally blameless, consecrated, and most holy. And so I want to transition here to the scripture that I believe the Holy Spirit actually gave me to bring forward this word. And it's found in Acts chapter 4. Long about verse 32, and I want to, want, to, want, to, want to hit some things here about his holiness. And this is going to be a little different. I don't, as a matter of fact, I don't remember a whole lot of times the scripture being, these passages being focused on, but it's going to be a little bit interesting. Now the full number, this is uh, verse 32, now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul, and no one said that, that any of the things that they belonged to him was his own, but they, but they had everything in common. In other words... As the work of the Holy Spirit in their lives, things no longer were important. People were important. Caring for people. The work of the Holy Spirit in the lives of the early believers in the book of Acts was this work of the Holy Spirit that they became more, more involved, more concerned, more focused on loving people and caring for people. That things weren't what was most important. Now, you need things, obviously. We all need things in order to live. I, 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 we need clothes. We need water. We need, you know, we need things. So it wasn't that they didn't have the things and they didn't you know, use the things. But what, what I'm saying is, I'm trying to get the focus here, is that work in the early church of the Holy Spirit was people became more important than things. So moving on to verse 33. And with the great power of the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was upon them all. There was not a needy person among them because people were more important than things. For as many as were owners of lands of houses sold them and brought the proceeds of, of what was sold. Verse 35. And they laid at the apostles' feet and it was distributed to each as many as need. Thus Joseph, who was also called the apostle Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, a Levite, a native of Cyprus, sold a field and be, and that belonged to him and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet because he saw a need. He and people were important to him. Okay, now the, the, the scripture doesn't say that he went without anything, but what it says is he saw a need and he was going to do something about it. People became more important than things. And then we see, then all of a sudden we see a shift in verse, in chapter 5. We see the shift, verse 1, but a man named Ananias, Ananias, excuse me, with his wife Sapphira, sold a piece of property, like Barnabas had just done, and with his wife's knowledge, he kept back for himself some of the proceeds and brought only a part of it, and laid it at the apostles' feet. Now listen to this Holy Ghost moment. This Holy Spirit moment. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit? Did you hear that? Peter just came straight out. 
And how did he know that? How did he know that he lied to the Holy Spirit? Holy Spirit revealed it to him. Yeah. Again, Ananias, why, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back for yourself part of the proceeds of land? While it remained unsold, did, did not re- remain your own? And after it was sold, was it not at your disposal? Why is it that you have contrived this deed in your heart? You have not lied to man, but to God, the Holy Spirit. When Ananias heard these words, he fell down and breathed his last. Y'all, he died. Now, for some of us, that doesn't fit in our theology. But I'd ask you to soak on this. I'm doing my morning devotion, and the Lord's just, I'm reading this. I'm like, ooh, wow. I mean, I've read it. I mean, I I read the Bible through, I mean, one of the disciplines I have is I read the Bible through every year. So I've read it dozens and dozens of times. But a few few weeks ago, whenever we talked about this, it was like fresh the day before. It's like, man, this is, this is some stuff here. I mean, y'all hear what's happening, right? Ananias disobeyed the Holy Spirit, straight up taught to the leader of the church at that time, Peter. Peter revealed from the Holy Spirit, knew what happened. Peter said, dude, I know what happens. And then right there, boom, dead. Not just slain in the Spirit, dead. I'm still grappling with it. Ananias heard these words. He fell down and breathed his last. And great fear came upon Hall who heard of it. Would you, would you agree that if, you know, I'm up here and, and the Holy Spirit directs me towards something and I'm, we'll just call him Silas. Brother Silas, come up here for a minute. Silas, um, you said you did this in a minute. Why, why, why'd you lie to the Holy Spirit? Why'd you do that? Boom, dead. Ushers, come get the dead dude. That's because that's what happened, y'all. y'all not, this is what happened. The young men rose and wrapped him up. They, they wrapped him up. Oh, I forgot that. Ushers wrap him up. And carried him out and buried him. After an interval of about three hours, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. And Peter said to her, he gave her a chance. He gave her a chance. How is it you have agreed together to test the spirit of the Lord? Behold, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door. And they'll carry you out. Verse 10. Immediately she fell down dead at his feet and breathed her last. The young men that just got finished burying her husband. They came back. When the young men came and they found her dead. They carried her out. Buried her beside her husband. And verse 11. And great fear came upon the whole church and upon all who heard of these things. Wow. Now I'm, I'm, again, I'm going to say I'm going to grapple with this. I'm, I'm still grappling with this. But, but what, what came out of it to, to me is, is these folks did not treat the Holy Spirit as he was holy. They nonchalantly kind of dealt with the Lord. God means for his people to fear hypocrisy, because that's what happened, hypocrisy. He means for us to be afraid of treating the Holy Spirit with contempt. This is a warning that the Holy Spirit is holy and should be treated as holy, holy. Verse 5, Ananias had died, and great fear came upon all who heard it. And verse 11, and great fear came upon the whole church and upon all who heard these things. This is the lesson Luke wants to get across. Faking faith and thus not treating the Holy Spirit as holy, holy is a fearful thing. 
So we learn here that we can, in the scripture, that we can, we can, we can lie to the Holy Spirit and there are consequences. In addition to lying to the Holy Spirit, we see in Acts 7.51 that we can resist the Holy Spirit. And in Isaiah and Ephesians, we see we can grieve the Holy Spirit. And in uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, we see that we can blaspheme the Holy Spirit. And in Hebrews 10.29, we can outrage the Holy Spirit. I believe in all those cases that I just mentioned, we're not treating, we're not hallowing the Holy Spirit in his very nature of being Holy Spirit. And I believe that Ananias and Sapphira disregarded the Holy Spirit in, in one of three possible ways. Now, I'm, this is just kind of where I am. I'm, I'm not saying this is thus saith the Lord. I'm just kind of saying this is what I've kind of seen from this passage. Number one, they did not believe the Holy Spirit was even present in the church. They may have simply functioned on a human level and never even thought about the real presence of the Spirit of the living God. Or number two, they may have thought theoretically that, that the Holy Spirit was present, but didn't think the Holy Spirit knew the thoughts of their mind. He was there, maybe, but he wasn't real to them. He wasn't a person who knew things and felt things and acted in real ways. And I think as you, as I read through all those scriptures describing the Holy Spirit, I think you could probably have seen that the Holy Spirit is real, is a person, and, and that ultimately he should be honored. And, or number three, perhaps they, they thought that he was real, but they, they couldn't really, they, that he wouldn't really punish them. Now, now again, that may be strong for your theology. You could talk to me about it later. I could take it. I'm going to say I'm still grappling with it a little bit. But you got to understand, they lied and they were dead. And we also got to understand scripture that says that ultimately the, the wages of sin are death. Right? So that they thought he was will, so that perhaps they, they had a view of grace that says, no matter how devious or hypocritical I am, God will still tolerate everything I do. Now that's pretty heavy, isn't it? And the reason I'm bringing it to you is because I don't want us to be Ananias and Sapphira. I want us to be Barnabas. But I'm just going to say in my years of being involved with charismatic movement, I have seen hints of this very thing. Some people come to worship and they operate totally on the human level, never even reckoning that with the reckoning with the, the living presence of God, the Holy Spirit, in this room, or in our home, or in a restaurant, or wherever we go. This is not where the Holy Spirit lives. This is. That is. It's it's not, this is not where, this is not the only place where the Holy Spirit, there's not a geofence for those, those who don't understand, geofencing where only the Holy Spirit works here. And once you get out that door, no. Mm-mm. So some people operate totally on a human level. Second, some come and give theoretical assent to his presence, but don't really come to terms with the awesome fact that he hears every thought in our mind. And sees every imagination in our heart. And others come and convince themselves that the thoughts of the heart are not serious enough to forsake because grace always means tolerance. Got one more example of this. Uh, Simon the magician in Acts chapter 8 verses 9 through 25. He was a magician around the time and, and some of the apostles ran into him. And he was a pretty great magician. It says in verse 10, it says, They all paid attention to him from the least to the greatest, saying, This man has the power of God that is called great. Well, ultimately, 
Simon realizes his need of the Lord, surrenders to the Lord. And in verse 13, even Simon himself believed. And after being baptized, he continued with Philip. And seeing signs of great miracles performed, he was amazed. Then it goes on in verse 18. It says, now when Simon saw the spirit was given through the laying out of the apostles' hands, he offered the money, saying, give me this power also so that anyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. But Peter said to him, may your silver perish with you. Because you thought you could obtain the gift of God with money. He didn't treat the Holy Spirit as holy. You have neither part nor lot in the matter, for your heart is not right before God. Repent, therefore, of this wickedness of yours, and pray to the Lord that, if possible, the intent of your heart may be forgiven you. For I see that you are in the gall of bitterness, which means you're full of wickedness, you're, bitter, you're, you're, in, you're, you're full of jealousy, you're poisoned by bitterness, and, and the bottom of iniquity. And Simon answered, pray for me to the Lord, that nothing of what you have said may come upon me. Now, to me, that's good news. That meant that he was at a place where he could repent. And then when we talk about blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, I, I, I want to just say this, because you, you, there may be someone in the room who feel like, well, I've blasphemed the Holy Spirit and there's no hope for me. If you're in this room and you think that, but at the same time you can say what Simon said, that I want to repent, you've not. You can repent. And you can say, Holy Spirit, please forgive me for not treating you as holy, for not reverencing you as God. For not honoring you for, for who you are and what you want to be in my life. And, and that's the whole point I'm trying to get at. Is, is, is trying to encourage us to recognize all the things the Holy Spirit wants to do in our lives and allow it to happen. I'm at Oral Roberts University. And the holy of holy grails when it comes to a, charism, a charismatic avenue. Okay, I'm a chaplain. And I'm about, and, and we're praying for students, okay? As to, I'm a, actually, I was a spiritual life dorm director, which is like the step above a chaplain, really big dude on campus, okay? And so they want us as spiritual life dorm directors to pray for people on campus. And so they're lined up for us to pray. And I remember um, there's a kid, kid named Tim Consolier, and I walk up to pray for him, and I start to raise my hands to just put my hands on his shoulder to pray for him. I, but I closed my eyes and went to pray for him, and he was gone. So I open my eyes. Well, there's Tim laying out on the floor. Well, immediately at the premier university with all the people seeing me, in my heart of hearts, I was like, oh, yeah. I'm the man with the power for the hour right now. I'm Holy Spirit filled. I've come to heal all your diseases. I've come for you, every one of you. Didn't even touch the brother. He's down on the floor. Hallelujah. Well, gratefully, there was some good leadership at Oral Roberts University. Mike Ewald must have seen it. it, it he must have seen it in my eyes, seen it building up in my eyes. And about three seconds after this, you know, this I'm, I am God incarnate right in front of you. He puts his hand on my shoulder. He says, bro, that wasn't you. And he, he kind of took me aside. He says, brother. You're operating in the Holy Spirit. And whether it was you or somebody else, the Holy Spirit did that work. And this is a good learning moment for you. And that's why from this day to today, see, this is one of, some of the things that charismatic movements that get the craziness is, you know, somebody prays for somebody, puts their hands on them, and, and there becomes this shoving war. I'll never do it. Because if the Holy Spirit didn't do it, it won the Holy Spirit. It wasn't me. It's the Holy Spirit that needs to do the work. 
Am I trying to ruffle some feathers? I just want to see the genuine work of the Holy Spirit. I want to see people come in and see the genuine activity of the Holy Spirit in our church. I don't want people to come up to me and, and wonder if this is the moment. I want them to be so blown over by the Holy Spirit, it don't matter. And I think that's what you want too. And I think if you're, I think if you're as far away from the Lord, that's actually what you want too. You want to actually see the genuine work of the Lord. I'm going to give one more testimony about this and then I'm done. I got a friend named Joel Goddard. He's a worship leader. He went to this big, big worship thing and he was a small fish in the, in the big pond, right? And there, the worship, there's big worship leaders doing their thing and he's, he's in church minding his own business, you know, worshiping the Lord. And the Holy Spirit clearly said to him, I want you to do some push-ups right now. Big shot worship leaders up here. Holy Spirit tell him, I want you to do some push-ups right now. He's like, Lord, you want me to do some push-ups? Why, why do you want me to do some push-ups? Huh? I, I ain't going to do no push-ups. I'm, what, what, I, 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 I. He said all of a sudden he felt like his heart was being squeezed, which I love as a beautiful description of the Holy Spirit working in your, in, your, in, your, in your body. He said, I felt like the Holy Spirit was kind of squeezing my heart and saying, do it. Just do it. So he reluctantly kind of moved out in the aisle. He said, now how do I make this look kind of holy? How do I, how do I do this to make this holy? And so he kind of, he says, I kind of, I kind of kneel down, you know, kind of prostrate, you know, sort of. And then I get in the push-up position and I just start, you know, one. But he said, and you know, it's kind of hidden. But all of a sudden the guy across the hall, one! Two, seven, three, and he's out there. Oh my God! Stop kidding me! I didn't want anybody to see me. And he didn't say what number he got to. He's a pretty, pretty strong guy. I'm sure he got up there pretty high. He said he got done. He sat down and he said, and he was mad. It's like, Lord, what are you doing to me? Is this how a loving father deals with his son? This is humiliating. And so he continues to praise and worship. About, uh, then all of a sudden, this guy this starts walking up towards all these major praise and worship leaders. Gets in front of the mic. He said, I've never gone to church before. My wife's been begging me for years. And she said there was this praise and worship thing where no one, there, there wouldn't be a preacher. And it'd just be songs. So I promised her to come, but I'd never go to church with her again. She, she would never be able to beg me again to go to anything again. And as I was sitting back there, I said, Lord, if you're real... I want to see somebody do some push-ups. <laughs> Will you stand with me? This is what the leadership of this church wants. They, we want a genuine working of the Holy Spirit. Will you feel the Lord... Gently nudging your heart to do the next thing. That you're not forced, that you're not religioned or traditioned, but you're being led and guided by the comforting, loving, all those things, y'all. I, I need to get, we need to get in those words. All those things that we learned about the Holy Spirit. We, we need that. And the first thing we need to do is, is this. I'm going to ask you if you would not, if you would not mind, if you would bow your heads with me for just a second. Because I believe the Holy Spirit, maybe, there, maybe there's someone here this morning that never has known God. 
But the Holy Spirit has been convicting their hearts and recognizing they need the Lord. And so if that's you this morning, you, you don't know him. You're far from him, and you, but you want to know him. And you want to know him genuinely like we've been talking about. And if that's you, if you did that, if, if you could raise your hands again. If, if you did that, I, we would like, the pastors would like to know this because we want to encourage your next step. And if you, if you got one of these connect cards, that's what we'd like to put, put for you to indicate that you, that you made the step of committing my life to Christ. Because we want to pray for you. And we want to just send you a gentle, gentle letter. Well, again, we're not going to come knocking on your door. If you talk to us about it, we're, we're glad to talk to you about it. That I believe we need to pray for folks. So for the folks that are praying, that are praying folks, like Ricky, you definitely need to be up here because you, you got the word from the Lord. We need to be up here to pray for people. We want to see the Holy Spirit operate in your life this morning, and so I want to give an opportunity for that. So if you're one of our prayer folks, if you could please come forward. So, Father, we thank you for your grace extended to everyone being prayed for this morning. We ask for the Holy Spirit to do works of healing, works of life change, works of being filled with the Holy Spirit. I pray for folks that still need to respond and maybe receive prayer, um, that they would respond as well. And I thank you for your grace. I thank you for allowing us to walk in the power of your Holy Spirit. And I pray the Lord bless you and keep you. I pray the Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. And I pray the Lord lift up his beautiful countenance upon you in all that you do. In Jesus' name.